Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today J.K. Semansic, CEO of PetSmart. J.K. graduated from the University of Arkansas back in 1994, and he went to work for Walmart and Sam's Club and quickly rose through the ranks and became a divisional merchandise manager, a DMM, as they call it at Walmart. And then he went to Meyer in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and he was in Grand Rapids for nine years. He finished his time at Meyer as the president of Meyer. And then he became the CEO and president of Academy Sports and Outdoors. And now he's been in Phoenix, Arizona at PetSmart for about three years as CEO. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today, JK. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation, man. Of course, we're proud to have you as an alum of uh, the university. And of course, you're on my advisory board, which I appreciate. Uh, but your career really is impressive. And, you know, of course, working um, for Walmart, you have experience working, um, you know, for the largest company on earth that's publicly traded. And uh, but you also have experience working uh, for a firm that's owned by private equity and so forth. So you've got a broad range of experiences um, in terms of industry. Your your experience has primarily been and retail. So you must really enjoy retail. Yeah, I do. I, I, you know, there was not a master plan that, that took me down that path, but certainly as I got exposure to it, what started for me as a job before I you know, went to law school or, or thought about doing something different, I, I really kind of stumbled into something that I felt like fit me and that I had passion for. And, and uh, you know, more than 20 years later, I, I'm still doing it for sure. Well, you know, retail is very fast-paced, as you know. I mean, especially, you know, starting at, at Walmart and Sam's Club, you <laughs> really experienced some fast-paced uh, retail. But you've been in different kinds of retail environments. I mean, Academy Sports and PetSmart are very different than than uh, Walmart and Sam's Club, for example, and, and Meyer for that matter. Um, so you've seen a wide variety of, of opportunities. Now, I know since you've been at PetSmart, PetSmart's done really well, and I want to get back to that later. But one question I have, um, I know you didn't plan this out, but as you got into it, you clearly gave it your all. It's definitely a, an indirect path I took into business. I graduated from the university with a theater degree and you know, in the end, my plan was to to move from a, a liberal arts undergraduate degree and then move on into law school or even to get my MBA. I mean, that was sort of the, the master plan in the beginning. But I was fortunate enough to join Walmart at a period of time where there was really two waves of growth going on. There was still the build out of discount retail and, and super centers. And, you know, I, I remember the days of, you know, sort of fighting the reputation of a big business coming to town and putting smaller businesses out of business. And, you know, that 
myth or reality, that was still very much part of the growth curve, as was international. And, um, you know, that was brand new territory. And you know, I think I was given a lot of opportunities early on in international uh, because, you know, I'd done a little bit of time studying abroad. I, you know, I, I think, you know, candidly at that point, it was maybe hard to find people who've been outside of Benton County, let alone outside of the U.S. And, and so, you know, that, um, you know, a hunger to learn and, and a willingness to say yes, uh, coupled with probably more growth than there was talent to fuel it, really gave me some exposure and some opportunity early on that, you know, in the end, I might have ultimately earned, but I can't say that that I necessarily deserved it. I, I think it was just, you know, part of being in a, a fast growing business where there was necessity. And if, if there are people who are capable, they're given that opportunity. And once I realized that that path was there, I was I was really able to be a little bit more intentional about my plans and, and start to think about how do I really grow my career and, and find, you know, the areas of the business that I was passionate about. So when you graduated back in 94, did you go right to Walmart? Uh, I did, actually. I, I had uh, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And, and after having done a, a summer abroad, you know, through the university, was in a spot where I was kind of weighing options. And my mom and my stepfather uh, both worked for Walmart in the merchant organization. And, you know, so I was familiar with the company. And I had actually had, you know, the good fortune to to meet a few executives. I mean, it was the, the beautiful part about you know, Bentonville at that point in time, it's probably a love-hate, you know, when you think about the size of town. I mean, it makes it maybe hard to escape work every once in a while, but it also means that that proximity exposed you to people and you had relationships. And, you know, a couple of, of those folks were kind enough to, to take a chance and talk to me uh, because they were building out the international division and offered me the opportunity to go into the management training program, which was one of the only programs like it at the at the time. And so I, I did and, you know, went to live temporarily in Joplin, Missouri to really learn the Sam's Club side of the business, because at that point, really, Sam's was the was the largest international vehicle that Walmart had. I mean, if you think about that format, it looks much more much more like cash and carry format that you saw in other countries around the globe. And so it was, you know, the Supercenter was much more foreign at that point in time. So that's really how I started and what kind of put me on the path of going to work for the company. So where did you study abroad? I'm curious. Uh, it was London. Theater. Good choice. I mean, you know, it's a, nat a natural spot. So <laughs> that's terrific. So you eventually became DMM of Fresh Foods at Sam's Club. And then you went to Meyer as a VP over fresh foods. Fresh foods are a challenging category. Yeah. You know, it, it was, uh, you know, it was not, that was not something that I was passionate about. I mean, I, I'm passionate about food. And, you know, when I first started working, I was uh, what they called a merchandise coordinator. So my job was to work with the buying offices in country in, you know, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, Hong Kong at the time to help identify whatever food we exported uh, to those countries. And so I, I kind of slotted into the food business as a result of that. When I did an expat assignment in Mexico City uh, was really where I became part of the fresh food business. You know, we had made the decision to open up fresh meat departments uh, and fresh produce departments in the Sam's clubs in Mexico. And, you know, the expertise to the degree that that we had it was all U.S. based. 
there was actually a language barrier, you know, because I could better understand those folks and my Spanish was good enough to be able to help transition and, and teach that. Uh, I was one of a handful of US expats that was there, you know, helping build out a produce distribution system, helping to set up these departments. And I was learning on a Tuesday what I might be trying to teach somebody on a Wednesday, uh, you know, not, not at all qualified, but it was such a fast education. And ironically enough, when I came back from the US, I had built up enough experience um, that I moved into the fresh meat area of Sam's Club. The, the ironic thing was I had learned all of my my cuts of beef in Spanish. So I had to translate back from Spanish to English to figure out what I was doing once I got back to the States. So I, I it, it was it was definitely, uh, you know, uh, you know, something I kind of backed into. But look, I, I loved the I love the math of it. Uh, I loved, you know, being able to, you know, really uh, on the on the product side of things, anticipate and outsmart commodity pricing indexes and what I learned about negotiation and how to establish points of leverage. And then I think one of the big business lessons for me is the tighter you draw the lines, the more that actually creates this impetus for creativity. I mean, there's only so many cuts of beef. There's only so many, you know, there's not a new part of, of animal. You know, at one point in time, you might've said there's not many new fruits and vegetables, although labs are creating more and more, you know, tell that to a pluot, um, the, there, there's more and more varieties coming around all the time, but, you know, that's an offshoot of having, you know, a, a world that was pretty tightly bound to a small set of SKUs and, and that required, you know, a lot of foresight in terms of how to negotiate costing and, and then really how to position yourself relative to uh, the rest of the world. And you learn quick if you were doing it right or if, if you weren't very good at it. So I, I loved it. You know, I do think that teaching things is one of the best ways to learn them. When you were in Mexico teaching things you just learned, it went deeper into your long-term memory. You know, it's funny. I, I tell people, you know, if I think about all of the experiences that I had at Walmart, that one probably I carry with me in my role today more than anything. Because, look, I, I was teaching what was effectively the Walmart model of business to people who actually knew more about fresh food and had more experience than I did, right? I mean, they're, you know, so, and, and in some cases they had more years doing it than I had years on the planet at that point in my life. And so that, that balancing act of trying to be an authority and, and, you know, sort of set the boundaries on what was in play or not, when I knew there were people who were much deeper into the knowledge of the space and how to respect their experience and, you know, sort of balance that with, no, 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 but this is the way that we need to do it. And here are the reasons why to teach, but also to, to be vulnerable enough to learn from them because I'm dealing not only with a subject area that I don't maybe have as much experience in as they do, but also a culture that's different. It's probably one of the best training grounds for for now being in a position where where ultimately I end up having to make a lot of decisions where I have to lean on the expertise of people who are much deeper in the subject than I am and sort of know how to exercise judgment when I when I may not have the time to go as deep as as I would love to go on some of the subjects that, that I have to weigh in on. JK, uh, what might be some decisions you've made or some positions you've taken 
that really have helped you form the path you've taken in your career? You know, there's not a there's not a simple answer as it relates to a single event. What I, what I would tell you, the common thread is, you know, when people came to me with opportunities, you know, particularly if uh, they were people I respected, saw as talented, uh, had invested time in me, then generally, even if I wasn't comfortable, I said yes. Those are the common denominators. And, and then I, you know, I can also tell you that in every situation, I can point back to small moments, right? And you just never know when you have the opportunity to be with somebody um, where they're going to be incredibly impactful on you or, or vice versa. They're going to see a glimpse of you that shows them the, the potential that you have in a way that you can't script. I, I I think I shared with you once when when we were together uh, recently, when we went through the management training program at Walmart, they were going to slot us into operational and merchandising roles. And there were only a couple of merchandising roles and and a lot more operations training spot. And generally, I think people wanted the merchandising roles because there was, in their mind, attraction to this headquarters job as opposed to going to a store in a particularly a smaller town or someplace like that. And right or wrong, that was, people were sort of jockeying for that. One of the final sort of assessments was we, we went into a Sam's Club shortly before opening and we were asked to zone the store and get it you know, ready for the doors to open. And you had like 10, 15 minutes to do it. And if you've been in a Sam's, you can see these aisles and, and imagine the pallets that have been shopped and you know, the front is sort of sold down. Everybody jumps into their aisle. They're each, everybody's given an aisle. Everybody jumps into their aisle and they start stacking these pallets. And I walked to the back of the store and grabbed a pallet jack and came in and went down the aisle, jacked up each pallet, pulled it out, spun it around, and then put it back in place so that the backside was facing out to the front. And it took me, you know, five minutes or so to go down the aisle and do that, you know, quickly. And, and then, you know, I had told another person, you know, giving them the idea, I t- went over to the aisle next to me and helped the other person just because these are my colleagues and I've, you know, grown to know them. And when, when it was all said and done, the, the gentleman who was assessing us comes and says, okay, I want you to be a merchant because anybody who is thinking that way and thinking about how to make it easier is somebody that I want upstream from me helping make my job easier. And I wasn't intentional about it. I had no idea. I just, it was a, a different way of, of looking at things. And I had paid attention, but I, you know, there's little examples like that where, you know, you make an impression or, or people, people get to know you. And, and, you know, I, I think you, you know, particularly if you can be reflective on them, you learn a little bit about also how to look for that in other people. And, and it, it really does help drive and shape your judgment over time. What a great story. I love that. So now you are at PetSmart and mm-hmm. you are the CEO of PetSmart, right. the largest uh, specialty pet retailer of service and solutions in the country, maybe in the world, I don't know. And again, it's a, it's a very different format than where you started. I know since you've been there, uh, the company has just done tremendous. So would you talk a little bit about sort of the your experience in moving to this extremely different kind of a format? You know, the 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 format's different. I would say 
for me, the job or, or kind of the, the short list of things that matter are actually the same. I mean, it really is about, you know, delivering a customer experience that meets customers' needs better than anybody else. And, and I think being really clear on why people choose to shop you and, and what it is that, that you bring to the table that others can't is part of what separates good retailers from the rest, right? I mean, I, you know, why are you there? Why is someone going to make the choice to log on to your site or pull into your parking lot? Or, you know, in this case, the way that people feel about their pets is the way that they feel about other members of their family. And the responsibility that we have is something that attracted me to the opportunity it's a hard one to replicate. You know, it's it's hard to fake a culture that really does love pets and believe that, you know, pets make us better people and, and we're committed to doing anything and everything we can to enhance the bond between pets and pet parents and, and make their lives better in, in every interaction that we have. And, you know, you, you mentioned the performance of the company. I, look, I think our longevity is tied to that. I cannot in any way claim responsibility or you know authorship as it relates to that culture what i what i hope i've been able to do is is really bring that back into focus and and really help our people deliver on that promise so jk um you've had lots of leadership positions obviously what are some key takeaways you know when you talk to leaders you see that everyone has a unique style towards leadership. People have certain leadership techniques they use that wouldn't work for other people. But the longer you live and the more you try to lead, the more you pick up these and you find certain things that work for you and certain things don't. What are some things that have worked well for you? For starters, I think one of the hardest things to do, being a young leader was really challenging. It was also one of the best developmental opportunities that I had because you know, there was an awful lot of that, you know, sort of Jack Welch mentality around what good leadership looks like. And, you know, in, in one camp, you, you were taught those kind of principles and another, you were taught kind of servant leadership, Sam Walton, certainly, as you think about Walmart. As a young leader, look, there's no way in the world I could have gone the, the Jack Welch route. Like it, it didn't matter whether I believed in it or not. I didn't, I, I didn't have the equity built up. I was still learning so much that I had to really develop a style that was able to still exercise authority without having to be an expert in everything. You know, now look on from a leadership standpoint, I, I really talk to our team about four things. You know, there's four axes of, of leadership that I feel like people are, are really measured on. And if you're a good leader, you make a difference and in, in you bring impact there. The first one is talent. And it really is about, you know, identifying and developing talent and then really putting it in position or supporting it in a way to, to let it, you know, have the maximum impact. And, you know, sometimes that's coaching, sometimes it's getting out of the way and, and really clearing the path so that people can can do what they're there to do. But the second one is focus in a world where there's way more priorities than there are resources to accomplish those priorities, really narrowing in to say these are the two or three that matter most and, and making sure that we put the full weight of the organization behind them is something that is critically important. The next one, maybe 
harder sometimes, but it's it's the higher you go in an organization, the less it is correct or incorrect answer. Um, you know, right and wrong really gets measured on a whole different set of of intangible and and sometimes murky set of variables. And so judgment is is really the other one that I think is important. And it's, you know, I think judgment is one of those things that that you can certainly hone and develop over time, but it, it's got to go on the list. And then the fourth one, probably the the hardest for people to get, but it's the thing that that you look for first in leaders, and that's influence. You know, I think one of the things I learned really well at Walmart was this idea that you can be accountable for something without having direct responsibility over it. That if you see something, you know, where you can make an impact and and you can help shape the outcome of it, it really is incumbent upon you to to find a way to influence that and to make it better. That ability to influence is one of the the healthiest things I think you can develop amongst your leadership across a company. Well, JK, thanks for taking time to visit with me. This has just been terrific. I really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. Glad to do it. I appreciate all the work that uh, you and your team are doing. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, my, uh, my, my degree gets more valuable each and every day. So <laughs> I really appreciate all the work. And, uh, you know, I say that as a, an alum, but also parent of a, of a student and a soon to be student. So thanks for everything. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now Be Epic.